Amen and amen. Before we get started, I almost forgot in keeping with uh, tradition here. Uh, is there, are there any visitors? Any first time visitors here today? It's okay, you can raise your hand. Any first time visitors? Or maybe you've been here and you have not, uh, you have not been introduced. Alright, going once, going twice. Alright, well if you have your Bibles, open them up, turn them on. Uh, we are in John chapter 14. John chapter 14. I'm still learning this. And uh, as we begin today, a uh, pastor called me last night and uh, he said, hey, uh, can, you, can you teach tomorrow morning? And I said, sure. And he said, I'm in the middle. And he said he wanted me to convey a message to you. So I'm conveying this message. He is uh, right now in the middle of, of writing a new book. And it is a subject that's near and dear and close to his heart. And it's the subject of suicide. Uh, so I don't know if, if, if some of you kind of know the history and, and all that stuff. But anyway, he is uh, writing a book on suicide, which is a, is a very tough subject. Uh, if you've read his dissertation, it's on patient-assisted suicide. And um, so that was what his dissertation was on. And so he's kind of doing some more research and he's writing a book right now. And I don't know his schedule of writing. I don't know if he's a late night writer or an early morning writer, but... Usually I know if, uh, if he makes that phone call, he's really deep into it at the time. And so I said, okay, not a problem. I'd, I'd love to do it. And so uh, I said, but if we're going to do it, all these one-off kind of sermons, I said, they kill me. I said, can I do a series? And he said, man, that would be great. So you're stuck with me for like another three, four weeks. I'm sorry. All right. So what? Suicide training here Thursday night. Suicide training. What? Suicide training? Anti-suicide. Anti-suicide training, okay. <laughs> One. He dropped words again. You're so fussy. Don't get a mulligan. So, so anyway, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Before, uh, before you get started, it's, it's strange that you said that because I work in the oil and gas industry for you guys that don't know, and we had a big conversation come up, and it was, it was on this topic. And I was debating on if I was going to ask John Mark about it because I know it's kind of like a touchy subject to him. And I asked my wife, you know, just for like input, you think I ought to, you know, ask him just because I was trying to remember the series. He did like a series on it. I think it was like Christmas back or last Christmas back. And I was going to get that series to kind of go back and kind of get, get some information on, you know, because some guys say, you know, if you commit suicide, it, it's, you know, it's a sin and you go to hell. Some say, well, no, that's not true. So I was kind of going through the whole thing. I'm trying to find out biblically the truth about this subject. And I was going to ask him about it. And my wife was like, nah, that's kind of like a touchy subject for him. So I don't really get into that. But it's amazing that this conversation will come up this morning that he's writing a book on it. So that's how God works. Uh, I work in the oil and gas industry, and sometimes we do come up with these topics and these conversations of what's biblical, what's not biblical, what's true, what's not true, what we've been taught, what's tradition, what's not tradition. So I just want to put that out there that that's how God works, and that's amazing that he's writing that book, and I will be at that class first. 
So, seven o'clock this Thursday. Is it up here? Yeah. For the first time ever, the suicide rate among 14 to 25 year olds is higher than the homicide rate. Wow. So, uh, anyway, he's, he's, so he wanted me to convey this message, and I quote, tell him I am not abandoning, abandoning them. Uh, rather, I'm just really deep into this right now, and so uh, we need to, I would like to give him the time to be able to write that because I know his, his, uh, his book is going to impact a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, this is killing. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> it's a nay. <laughs> suicide is bad. Uh, Suicide, suicide is bad. The Catholicism teaches. This is Catholicism. Catholicism teaches that if you if you commit suicide, you do not get to enter into the gates of heaven. That's right. Um, scripture does not teach that. There's nowhere in Scripture where it states that. So. If you are a Christian and you do do that, and let's understand and, and let's kind of step back from from uh, uh, from things and just simply state this: uh, in in life, we are all still sinful, <laughs> and we still do things uh, wrong. Um, uh, suicide is. I'm not, I'm not really going to get into it, and I'm going to let John Mark because he's probably going to do a series about it in here uh, a little bit more, but. Um, Bottom line is, is, is it's a tough situation for everyone. It leaves everyone with a lot of questions. It's, um, um, I want to be very careful with my words here, and I'm not good with words, but it's, it's very, um, people struggle a lot mentally. And so when, when you're at that, you don't know what somebody's going through, and sometimes they just, they, they feel like they need a way out. And so... And that's part of our hum- that's part of our humanity. That's part of sin, and so people kind of go to extremes to do that. But great question. But scripture, scripture is, is very clear. You know Jesus Christ. Despite sin, you still get to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Amen. That's a good, that's a good thing, and that's a great segue into what we're going to be talking about over the next couple weeks. Um, when I was 15 years old. I'll never forget this. When I was 15 years old, it was the week of Christmas, and we are in the car on Christmas Eve, a tradition that I have kept up in, with my family. We're always in the car. We're always traveling because we were the black sheeps of our family. We were the ones that moved away from everybody. So all my family, and even my wife's family, they all live in Missouri, okay? If you know anything about Missouri, they don't wear shoes up there. She didn't put on shoes till she crossed the Red River, all right? And so um, uh, she was a hillbilly, right? And so she, uh, when she came over here, she put on shoes. But we always travel uh, on Christmas Eve. And, and so as my dad and I, as we are traveling, we are in this car. It's a new car, and we're doing like 100 miles an hour because mom and my sister are asleep in the back. 
And so it's me and my dad. It's one in the morning. I'll never forget. There's this stretch on 69 in Oklahoma from um, McAllister to Muskogee. And you cross over Lake Eufaula. And there are no cops there, all right? There are no cops. Dad just got a new car. I won't tell you what kind of car it was, but he just got a new car. It's a very fast car, very fast four-door sedan. And uh, he's putting the hammer down, wanting to see what this thing will do. And we're doing 100 miles an hour, and it feels like we're just floating along. And we are having a conversation. Now, I'm 15 years old, ninth grade, and we're traveling down the road. And out of nowhere... Uh, uh, we just start this conversation and my father says, man, I just, uh, we, we were talking about uh, salvation. We were talking about spiritual things and somehow the word heaven came up and my dad said, man, I just can't wait to get there. Now as a 15 year old boy or young man, I'm sitting there and I'm going, wait, what? <laughs> I'm looking over at the speedometer like, are we getting ready to go into the side or the lake's over here? What's going on? You know, should have come to the class. Anyway, we're, you know, we're zooming down the road and we get to talk about heaven. And I don't know about you, but when I think about heaven for the longest time, when I've thought about heaven, I've kind of gotten the holy heebie-jeebies, you know? It's like, okay, I know I'm going there, but i got to worry about stuff that's going on here. And it wasn't until uh, a couple years ago that I did this study in heaven in which as I began to learn more and more and more about heaven, I became comfortable with the subject. Not only did I become comfortable with the subject, but then I began to see from my dad's point of view how he was expecting and couldn't wait to get to heaven. And I was like, wait, what? All of a sudden, as I began to study, as I began to learn about heaven and what it really is, who's really going to be there, man, I started to become excited about the subject. All of a sudden, death didn't look so bad. All of a sudden, it didn't look so finite. And we use this these words like eternal life and they just kind of roll off the tongue and go, yeah, 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 eternal life. But guys, heaven is forever last time I checked. And but also last time I checked, hell is forever as well. And so uh, uh, to continue that story, like 20, uh, thir almost 30 years later, we are, uh, we are down, we are sitting on the beach, my dad and I, again. We're not sitting on the beach. We're actually sitting at a, at a, at a, in a patio and a table outside. We're on family vacation. And this just happened this year. We're sitting there at the beach, you know, out, outside. It's just me and him. It's 7.30 in the morning, of course. Everyone else is sleeping in. And uh, it's me and my dad. We're out there. And we're drinking coffee. And we get to reminiscing about the past. And we're talking about some of these guys that we know we grew up with, that he grew up with, that I know, family members. And he's sitting there, and my dad's kind of a sentimental guy. I never thought him to be a crier, but as he's gotten older, he's gotten more emotional. I don't know why. But he's sitting there, and I remember he sets his coffee down, and he's talking, and he's talking about his mom, he's talking about his dad, he's talking about his favorite cousin, Dee, who got saved a few years uh, before he passed away. And he just kind of started crying, and he goes, man, I can't wait to see them. He said, I miss them so much, but I know that one day I'll get to see them again. One day I will get to see them again. And it was just kind of, 
You know, we just, just kind of sat there for a moment. He's weeping. I'm trying to hold back a few tears. And I know what he's, what he's talking about. So what I want to do over these next several weeks is I want to talk about the subject of heaven. And today what I want to do is I want to dispel any kind of rumors or misnomers or, or put to bed any rumors or misunderstandings that you have about heaven. And Jesus, He talks about heaven and even in Scripture we get kind of a description and we get some understanding as to what heaven is like. But you see, the Bible doesn't tell us everything that's going on in heaven. Okay, The Bible doesn't tell us and give us all the information. Scripture gives us kind of like a pamphlet. Okay, It gives us a website, if you will. How many of y'all have been to Disney World? Right? How many of you have been to Disney World? Guess what? My kids never been to Disney World, but they want to go. You know why? Because number one, they've heard how great it is. Number two, they've seen the commercials. Number three, they've seen all the internet pop-ups, you know, that come up. Hey, come to Disney World, kids. Yay, my kids are like, we want to go there. They've never been there. They don't know what it's like, but they've seen Mickey Mouse's face. They've seen the roller coasters. They've seen all this stuff. They've seen the commercials. It's a 30-second commercial, but what do my kids do? I want to go there. Well, guess what? You know when you go to Disney World, that there's a whole lot more to Disney World when you're there than what you see on the commercial, right? How many times have you talked with other guys and said, hey man, this, this place you got to go to, it's awesome. You, you, you just, you got to go. I mean, I can sit here and try and explain it to you, but you just got to go. What does the Bible say? The Bible just says, hey, listen, you, really, you just got to get there. And experience it but unfortunately we only have one shot to do that and that one shot is here on this earth and we have to make a decision whether we want to follow Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior or not amen and so we get that one shot and so really what drives me as a Christian is hey I want people that I know and that I love and that I like or maybe I don't even know that I just met I want them in heaven with me what drives us to share the gospel? What drives us to invite people to church? What drives us to live a better life is what's coming in the future. It's what's coming in the future. And so in John chapter 14, verse 1, uh, it says this. Hold on, my iPad is... I've got to fix this. Anyway... It says this. Jesus is talking to His disciples and He says this. Let not your hearts be troubled. Boy, I like that. What does He say? Hey guys, don't worry. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe You believe in God, believe also in Me. My Father's house has many, many... What does it say? That if it were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you are also, that you may also be where I am. Jesus says, Hey, listen, guys, don't worry. My father's house has many, many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I want you to be where I am. I am. Jesus wants us to be in His presence and we must desire to be in Christ's presence 
as well. J.C. Ryle said this. He said, and I quote, The man who is about to sail for Australia or New Zealand as a settler is naturally anxious to know something about his future home. Did you catch that? He naturally wants to know about his future home. It's climate. It's employments, its inhabitants, its ways, its customs, all these are subjects of deep interest to him. You are leaving the land of your nativity. You are going to spend the rest of your life in a new hemisphere. It would be strange indeed if you did not desire information about your new abode. Now surely we hope to dwell forever in a better country, even a heavenly one. We ought to seek all the knowledge we can get about it. Before we go to our eternal home, we should try to become acquainted with it. I'm just curious, how many of y'all have really sat down and said, man, I've, I've studied heaven. I've studied heaven. Man, I've studied on how to improve my life. I've studied how to be a better father, a better husband. I've studied how to be a better employee or a better, better employer. Yet, gentlemen, those things are all temporary. I'm going to be a Christ worshiper for eternity. And I'm going to be in His presence. I'm going to be with Him. I'm going to be in His house that has many, many rooms. What does that look like? What does my room look like? What is Christ building me? Does He know the colors I like? <laughs> I bet He does. I bet He's building me the perfect room. So let's dig into this just a little bit. So here's what we're going to do over the uh, next couple of weeks. This week we're just going to talk about rumors, preconceived ideas about heaven. We're going to talk a little bit about it. What you can expect. Okay? We're going to talk about a little bit about what can you expect. And then we're, next week we're going to talk about the theology of heaven. We're going to talk about the theology of heaven. We're also going to discuss, get this, those that do not enter into heaven, what our reaction will be when they don't get in. Think about that. What is our reaction going to be to those who do not ask Jesus Christ into their heart and to their lives? And when God places judgment on them, what do we say? Well, how do we respond to that in eternity? Very interesting. And then after that, we'll spend the next couple weeks and we're just going to have a whole bunch of questions. Okay, we're just going to start answering questions. Yeah, you have a question? Come next week. You might be surprised by the answer. Uh, so we're, we're going to get into this and we're just going to kind of dig through it. So two thoughts today. Two thoughts today. But I encourage you to come next week because we're going to talk about because we're going to talk about our reaction. So here we go. Number one, do not worry, rather study. Okay, and this is pretty, pretty simple. Just encouragement, do not worry, rather study. If you see there what Jesus says, He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in Me. 
What stresses us out are the unknowns. We do not know. It is hard for us to understand and to fathom eternity. And I just kind of want to give you a, a bait the hook a little bit here, but we talk about eternity and, and all that stuff. And hey, time doesn't exist. I, I just kind of want to let you all know we find out in Scripture that time does exist in heaven. Did you all know that? And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. There is a measurement of time in heaven. And so we're going to understand what a thousand years looks like, what a millennial looks like. We're going to understand the concept of eternity. But guess what? We also, we understand time here on earth, right? We look at our watch. We say it's this such and such time. It's early in the morning. Okay, we understand that. There is time in heaven, but a lot of things, What the point I want to get to is, is that, man, we don't know much, and because we do not know much, we become scared, it stresses us out, and if we can't do anything about it, what do we do? We just kind of set it off to the side. And so what does God say? What does Jesus say? He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. There are so many misconceptions about heaven. Even the jokes that we have perpetuate our misconception of heaven. Three people die, a doctor, a school teacher, and the head of a large insurance company. They all meet at the pearly gates, and there St. Peter is standing there, and the doctor walks up, and St. Peter says, what did you do on earth? And the doctor responded, and he said, I healed the sick, and if they couldn't pay... I gave him a free pass and I just did it for free. And St. Peter said, come on in. A teacher died. She went up there and stood before St. Peter. And St. Peter said, what did you do on earth? And of course, the teacher said, I taught educationally challenged kids. Peter said, man, that's a good deal. Come on in. You're good. Insurance, the head of the insurance company died, went up to heaven. And Peter looked at him and said, hey, well, what did you do on earth? And the guy said, well, I, I ran a big insurance company. Peter looked at him and said, well, you can come on in for three days and then you have to leave. <laughs> Did y'all get that? <laughs> you come on in for three days, but then you got to leave, okay? It's jokes like that, you know, kind of pithy jokes, you know, ha-ha, you know, y'all have heard the lawyer jokes about the lawyer dies and goes to heaven. You've heard all of those jokes. What do those jokes talk about? They talk about being good. They talk about doing good things, and then the guys that kind of don't like, they don't, they don't get into heaven. What does that perpetuate in our minds? Works. Works. It does. Even the very jokes that we use, it perpetuates this idea, this false concept that you have to do good things in order to spend eternity with Lord Jesus Christ. No, that's not what Scripture teaches, is it? When we look at... What the world tells us. What we, when we look at people's experiences, those near-death experiences, a lot of those things do not line up with Scripture. When someone says, well, I had a near-death experience and I saw this white tunnel and all of a sudden, you know, there's my aunt, my uncle, and they're waving me on saying, come on. And then there's this other guy saying, don't go to the light, you know, all of that stuff. Man, is that, really, is that really how it is? Well, when you read Scripture, it says something totally different. Uh, Erwin Powell said this, At the age of 83, I asked myself what I knew about the home of God, and I was shocked to admit I knew very little. 
increasing age in the fact that I shall soon be making my own pilgrimage have begotten within my soul an intense desire to explore this fascinating subject. My wife is 40 years old. If I told you your, her age, she'd kill me. So she's 29. And still? <laughs> still. And we're, we're, we're hanging out. We're, we're there in the bathroom the other day and we're getting ready. And just out of her mouth, she said, man, I just can't wait to get to heaven. What? <laughs> I just can't wait to get to heaven. The subject of heaven should be on our minds. 1 Peter 1, 3-4 says this, Praise be to God and the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that shall never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. How many of you have been waiting on your rich uncle to die? <laughs> right? You're like, hey, when, when, when are you going to the never, never after? All right? When, when are you going on? Why? Because, hey, man, we can inherit all of his stuff. We can pass this out. Guys, when we get to heaven, there are tangible things. There is an inheritance waiting on us. Acts 7, 55-56 says this, But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. We're not sure if Stephen really knew what Jesus looked like, but we do know that when heaven opened up and Jesus is standing there, Stephen says, I know you. I know you. I want to encourage you to open up Scripture and to begin to look and to study for yourself what heaven is like. Now, we're going to talk about some things, but we're not going to talk about everything. Real quick, in your tables, I want you to take three minutes. Do you have a question about heaven? Is there something about heaven that's on your mind? So real quick, just talk about those questions. What question do you have about heaven? If you could ask a question about heaven, what would that question be? Real quick, two minutes, one, two, three, go. I know you all have questions about it.
All right, real quick. Real quick, what were some of the questions? What were some of the questions? What's something y'all want to know about? Real quick. When do you get that glorified body? That's a good question. What else? <laughs> what else? What are some of the other questions or concerns? Yeah, I do. Come on. Uh, I know this. Ta- Are we sitting around, floating around on the clouds, strumming a harp? Oh man, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> yeah. What kind of work will we be doing in heaven? <laughs> what else? Any other questions? Okay. So, you know, like the Bible says that with God will reveal everything to us, but my personal question is will we actually do that? And if our ways are not his ways, okay. not our mind, and there's some things that I think we can say moving on. to encourage you to study the scriptures and you will find out God will not reveal everything to us. But I encourage you to study scriptures and you'll actually find the answer to your question. What? Yeah. Okay. Good question. Yep. What else? What other questions do you have? All right. The goal is to hopefully help you guys garner a whole bunch of questions and then to go into study. Now, this leads us to our second thought and what Jesus is talking about. And he says this. Secondly, heaven will be familiar. So first of all, stop worrying, start studying. Stop worrying, start studying. Okay? Secondly, we see that Jesus tells us that heaven will be familiar. This is important for us to know. Heaven will be familiar. When you look in verse 2, when Jesus is talking to His disciples, He says this, My Father's house has, has many, many rooms. Okay, so first of all, do you all know what a house is? Yes. Okay, do you know what a room in that house looks like? Yes. Very familiar. What is Jesus conveying? There is going to be some familiarity to heaven. It's not going to walk in. When you say, hey, listen, I'm going to go to Disney World, I'm going to stay at a hotel... 
Okay, what do you know about that hotel room? Just go ahead and answer me. What do you know about that hotel room? It's got a bed. What else? Mirror, a bathroom, a shower, a head. What else? It has windows. It has what? A chair. It has shampoo. Right? All right. You forget your toiletry bag. What else do you know about that hotel room? It's expensive. Boy, it cost God a great deal to put us in His rooms, did it not? Amen? Start thinking about it. Now, all of a sudden, the juices are beginning to flow, right? It's expensive to stay at a hotel. Guess what? Christ's sacrifice was not cheap. Okay? When we get to heaven, we are not staying at a Motel 6, gentlemen. You with me on that? The ultimate price was paid. Very high price for us to stay in our Father's house. And guess what? There are many, many rooms. My room. What does my room look like? Heaven is going to be familiar. So let's talk about some of those familiarities real quick. First of all, and things that we have, hopefully that maybe you've kind of heard, but hopefully we can kind of bring things into perspective. Number one, heaven is a city. Okay? Now we are familiar with a city, are we not? Where do we live? DFW, McKinney, Dallas-Fort Worth, right? And so what is in our city? Streets? What else? Huh? Red lights. Housing developments. What else? Businesses. And in those businesses have to go somewhere. So where are they at? They're in what? Buildings. What else? Rooms. You have, a, you have some kids. They're... They're tearing down the house. Where do you want to go on a Saturday afternoon to burn some energy out of them? Where? Where do you go? The zoo, the park, right? You might go to the lake. Alright? What does a city... Look at the amenities a city has. Well, what does Scripture tell us heaven is? It is a what? It's a city. Revelation 21, 16-21. It's talking about heaven. And look at what it says. The city... Okay? So get that in your mind. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. Okay? If you notice, it's a square. Alright? I don't know if you know this, but as Dallas began to build out and as all these other subdivisions and suburbs began to pop up, you know what they started doing? They started laying all this stuff out on what? on a grid layout. Figure that out? They started laying it out on a grid. That's why sometimes Spring Creek throws people off. Because what does it do? It runs east and west, and all of a sudden, it'll cut back south. When you go heading east, it'll cut back north when you're heading west. It throws people off. Why? Because it's not a grid. The best way to learn McKinney, Allen, uh, Plano, all those areas are just simply make a grid and then just start labeling streets. Find a street, just start labeling it from there. It's laid out like a grid. Guess what heaven is? Heaven is a city and it is a square. It's as long as it is wide. So there is some structure to it. It's not just all crazy. It's organized, Right? He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 strati uh, in length 
and as wide and as high and as long. Verse 17, the angel married the wall using human measurement and it was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold as pure as glass. The foundations of the city were decorated in every kind of precious stone. So get this. If you are an engineer, you understand the importance of building on bedrock. What is the foundation of heaven on? It's on stones. It's on not just any stone. It's not on some dirty rock. It's on precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh. uh, And then it goes on. And then look at verse 21. It says the 12 gates were 12 pearls. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Get this. Each gate made of a single pearl. We talk about the pearly gates, right? And what do you think? You think it's a gate that's pretty much decorated in a whole bunch of little bitty pearls. Uh Uh-uh. The gates of heaven, there are 12 of them. Each gate is one massive pearl. How cool is that? Man. So get this. And here's where a lot of misnomers come in. And I've even heard preachers preach this. But you hear about the streets of gold, right? You've heard about that? The streets of gold? Hey, you go to heaven, there's streets of gold. Look at what Scripture says in verse 21. The great street of the city was gold. The great street. There is one street made of gold. We'll talk about that a little bit later on, where that street leads to. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. So we understand this city right here. We have to understand that there are buildings there. There are probably parks. There are uh, streets. Okay, We know that there is a main street that runs through there. We know that that main street is made of what? Gold, okay, it is so pure that it is transparent like glass, okay? So we see this main street going through there, and so out of that main street, probably everything else flows back. So now all of a sudden, are you kind of getting a picture as to what heaven is? Think of it like Alan McKinney, Plano, Dallas. You have Main Street, you know where that is, and then all of a sudden everything just kind of branches out. From there, buildings, parks, houses. It's a city. Jesus said, Would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? We need to understand that things are familiar. What are some of the things we're going to do in heaven? Let me just kind of point a few things out. Number one, we're going to eat and drink. Okay? Is eating and drinking familiar? It is familiar. When you look at Revelation 19, 7-9, it says this, Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. (coughs) Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for righteous acts of God's holy people. Anytime you see fine linen there in Scripture, you can say that 
is an alliteration to righteous acts of God's holy people. Verse 9, Then the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. If you're invited to supper, what's going to happen? You're going to eat. Alright? Some people are like, are we going to eat in heaven? Yes! God is not going to invite us to supper without feeding us. Okay? That'd be horrible. Can you imagine someone inviting you over to supper and being like, yeah, we're, we're fasting tonight. <laughs> what? Is God going to do that to us? Absolutely not. He's going to invite us to supper. So at supper, there is what? Food. What did John Mark talk about this, uh, this past Sunday? He talked about what was Jesus talking about? <clears throat> The bridegroom, he prepared this massive feast and there was nobody there. There was nobody there. And so what? He sent his servants out into the, into the place, into the city. And what did they do? They just started inviting people. Hey, come here to the supper. Let me just kind of correlate what Dr. Caton was saying Sunday morning to where we are right now. We are the servants going out into the world inviting people to the supper. Alright? We are the servants going out into this world to invite people to a great feast. I'm going to eat all the chocolate cake with fluffy white icing I can on that day. That is my favorite dessert. I love it. I will eat a whole pan myself. Just by myself. In one sitting. I hope to eat multiple pans in heaven at that table. At that supper. And let me just ask you this. Who do you want to be with at supper? People you know and love. Who do you want to be? Who do you want to be with at supper? I want Jesus to be there. I want my wife to be there. I want my kids to be there. I want my dad to be there. I want my mom. I want my in-laws. I know I want my in-laws. Okay? They'll sit at another table, but they'll still be at supper. I want my friends. I want my best friend. I want, I want people I work with there. Man, I need to start inviting some folks. My next door neighbors I just met, they're really cool people. They're both doctors. Man, I want them there. I want them at my table. I want to be sitting with them. I want to eat because I know this life is so finite that I only have a limited amount of time I can eat with my wife and children. Because I can go get in my car right now and get in a car wreck and it's over. Some of us are looking at others in here going, hey man, <laughs> you're, real, you're closer to heaven than I am. You know, I'm, I'm some young guy. Hey guys, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. It can be a car wreck. It can be cancer. It can be some sort of disease. You just don't know how close we are to eternity. And I want to make sure those that I love are right there with me. At supper. At supper. And it's not just a supper. It's a feast. It's a party. So guess what? We're going to be there a while. Okay. So we're going to eat and drink. Number two, we're going to get rest. 
You all thought about that? We're going to get rest. Revelation 14, 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit. They will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. We need to understand that there will be rest. Now, will we sleep? I don't know. But I will speculate, and so this is just my opinion, but how many of you like to take a nap? Okay? On the seventh day when God created the heavens and the earth, what did He do? He rested. Okay? Now, I don't believe God took a nap. I don't believe that. I don't believe God sleeps. Okay? But we enjoy sleeping, do we not? Is it too far-fetched of an idea to think that we might take a nap in heaven sometime? <laughs> Somebody said yes. I'm just throwing that out there. Here's what we do know. Okay, Will we take a nap or not? I do not know. But here's what I do know. We will rest. We will relax. There will be a time of enjoyment. What do you do to recharge? You know, one of the things I love to do with my family, and this, this might be TMI, but one of the things I love to do with my family, I love to go get out on the lake. Go get on a boat, get out on the lake, and just sit there, listen to music, float, and watch the kids play in the, in the water. I'll pull them till their arms fall off on the tube, or if they want to ski, or whatever it is they want to do. But to me, that is relaxing. I get recharged when I do that. I like to fish, I like to hunt. Do you think some of that might be up there? I believe so. I don't know how, I don't know how it's going to work. But I do know that there's going to be some form of relaxation up there that I'm going to enjoy, that I'm going to love, that God has picked out just for me during my time to relax. We also know this, that there's going to be work. Some of y'all mentioned work. Revelation 22.3, No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city. And look at what it says, His servants will serve Him. So we need to understand that there will be a time of work. There's going to be a time of rest, but there's also going to be a time of work. What we do up there, we, I am not exactly sure. But we do know this. Who are we going to work for directly? God. We're going to work for Jesus Christ directly. And our job is to serve Him. I'd like to encourage you gentlemen... Start practicing your serving God now by being obedient on this earth now, today. Alright? Start being obedient today. Don't wait till eternity. Start practicing today. Start practicing today. I hope I've kind of dispelled some, some rumors, some maybe misconceptions. Uh, our society and Hollywood, and it is not Hollywood's job to give us theology. Okay, that's not their job. Their job is to entertain. Unfortunately, many Christians get their theology of heaven and what it is and what it's going to look like and what it's going to be like. They get it from Hollywood. They get it from these best-selling books that when you look at Scripture, you realize... under. Uh, understand this, you realize that this, it doesn't match up. It does not match up. Do not get your theology, do not get your understanding of heaven from Hollywood or from a book. 
that is not authored by God's hand. Rather, get it from Scripture. And guys, over the next couple weeks, I've already said this today. I've, I've told you now this is my opinion. Okay, I'm going to make sure and set that aside and say this is my opinion. This is not biblically. This is based on biblical uh, knowledge, but it is not completely vetted because Scripture doesn't tell us everything. Scripture is just a pamphlet. But we're going to talk about some of these things. We're going to answer some of those questions that you have over the next couple weeks. Uh, I can't leave here today without talking about heaven and not just mention the only way to get to heaven is through our Lord Jesus Christ and through faith and trust in Him. And I want to encourage you, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, Scripture says in 1 Thessalonians, today is the day of salvation. So make that commitment, not just that commitment, but make that change in lifestyle, make that decision to follow Jesus Christ, to lay down your net, and to turn and to follow Him. Make that decision now. Do not waste. And I want to encourage you too, if you have a family member, a loved one, somebody that you know, that you want sitting at the table with you, go tell them today. Go tell them today. Invite them. Invite them to church. Invite them to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord. If you can't do it, call me, call Justin Frazier, and we will show up. We will drop everything that we're doing, and we will show up to help you lead that person to the saving knowledge and power of Jesus Christ. Isn't that right, Justin? We'll be there. We will be there. Any staff member, we will drop what we're doing because eternity, ladies or gentlemen, (laughs) eternity, gentlemen, is a long time, is it not? Let's pray. Every uh, man, just if you can, as we close out, let's get on our knees. And uh, let's get on our knees here before God. And I look forward to the next several weeks with you as we dive into heaven. Mike Wagers, uh, would you mind closing us out in prayer today?